And now, get ready for real topics and real answers on this episode of Real Talk. Here's your hosts, Greg Alderdice and Matt Brewer. Welcome to Real Talk. My name is Matt Brewer, joined today with Greg Alderdice, where we are taking a look at the upcoming generations, that being Generation Alpha and Gen Z. Today we're talking about the well-being of Gen Z, and just to give you a quick definition of what that is, well-being is simply defined as a person's quality of life. That would be their emotional, mental, physical, and even spiritual state. So, Greg, what are some of the main things that we need to talk about today in regards to Gen Z's well-being? The biggest thing I want to talk about today uh, are the issues of anxiety and depression. Uh, These are two words that have been front and center uh, with this generation for quite some time and for good reason. I think when you talk about Gen Z, it's really hard to not talk about anxiety and depression. So I want to kind of start off by giving you just a few statistics about uh, what some of this looks like for uh, Gen Z. Uh, Just 45% of Gen Z reports that their mental health is very good or excellent, according to the American Psychological Association. So just so that we're on the same page, only 55% of teenagers would say that their mental health is pretty good. Uh, Mm. All previous generations report much higher percentages uh, of their mental health being good. Here's another statistic for you. Uh, 37% of Gen Z has worked with mental health professionals in some capacity. I want you to think about the weight of that statement. Uh, Most of us who are older, some of us, have never been to counseling of any sort. To to go to counseling, that would be something we would never want to do. But even if we have, maybe we did that after college, maybe when we got married, maybe at some point later on in life uh, when we were really uh, living our own life as adults. Uh, But teenagers today, Gen Z, 37% have worked with mental health professionals. That just seems like a really high number. And then one other statistic here um, deals with the issue of suicide. Suicide is a big factor in anxiety and depression. Um, But suicide is up approximately 30% from 2000 to 2016. It just seems like more and more we are seeing suicides, especially from young people, than we ever have before. And that's pre-pandemic, 2016. So I'm assuming it would probably be even higher at this point. It probably would be. And uh, there's so much uh, data that's not out yet from that, but I would imagine that that's only going to continue to go up. So the question that was in my mind as uh, I was looking at some of these statistics and research, and even more than this than that I've shared right now, why is Generation Z so depressed? Um, there's a lot of factors to that, and I'm going to touch on some of these uh, really quickly. But biggest thing is stress, stress from a number of places. Um, Matt talked about school shootings last week and how we're so desensitized to that in some ways. But uh, school shootings is a big trigger for stress for students, even if they've never experienced that for themselves. Uh, but you could always wonder, what if it happens to me? What if it happens to our school? And so that's a big uh factor when it comes to stress. Technology, we're going to talk a whole lot about that in the coming episodes, but technology in and of itself has presented a lot of stress for this generation, as well as social media. Um, We live in a world of hyper-connection. We have anything and everything we could ever want at our fingertips. 
And most of us listening to this podcast today probably grew up in a world in a time where we weren't so connected, um, where we actually went outside and did some stuff, where we did some stuff that this generation may not do. And it's easier for us to know, okay, maybe I've been on social media too much. This is having too much of a negative impact on me, so I'm going to kind of step away from this. I'm done with this for the day. Or we kind of know when to take a break from something. Teenagers only know their experiences and the experiences of their peers. So it's not as easy for them to step back from something that they have never really not had. Um, It's not their experience to not have technology like we did when we were growing up. And so technology has created these intense feelings, um, isolation, loneliness, and so many other emotions that typically aren't good emotions. Uh, The constant negative news, the fear of missing out. You've probably heard of FOMO, the fear of missing out, where students have this thing, and if you don't don't think it's real, just, just hang out with some students long enough. They are terrified of missing out on something. They constantly are checking social media, making sure that, They have not missed whatever it is they think they're going to miss, but uh, all this invokes a lot of negative emotions. One of the social media platforms uh, that that I was reading about was Instagram. Uh, Instagram has been found to negatively impact the mental health of teenagers due to there being a social media-worthy standard that is almost impossible to live up to. And we kind of may hear that and we think, oh, what's the big deal about that? But don't you think about what we post to social media? Nobody ever just posts, well, there's some people, I guess, but nobody ever just posts the worst things of life. It's usually the highlight moments, the things that are going good. It's that one-second picture of calm when there was uh, 30 minutes of crazy before and after the picture. And that's what we post because we want to present life as this perfect thing, as possible as we could can. But that's what teenagers are trying to live up to. Um, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but the pandemic, Matt's already talked about it, has only intensified so much of this because of the isolation uh, and more time with technology. And so COVID has only made some of this stuff even worse. So I guess I'm sitting here thinking, you know, our, our kids, they don't know the world before all of this. And you said we do. So we know how to separate ourselves in some ways because we can remember life before the digital age, before smartphones and tablets and social media. But it's almost not fair to expect that out of our kids because it's not their fault that they were born after the start of the digital age. So I guess the question is, what can we as parents do? And the question we should all be pondering is to, to equip them and to train them and to help them learn how to use these things appropriately because these are real issues. I mean, these are things that are kids and teenagers are definitely dealing with and it's only going to increase in the future so i'm trying to sit here not be completely depressed but try to think proactively of of what can i do and you know what the funny thing is and i'm a big advocate i'm a youth pastor i'm a big advocate for for teenagers because all they know is what they know mm-hmm. we can sit here and be upset and say well they're this and that but all they know is what they know and it's up to us as the older generation as parents as as the church to equip them to be able to handle some of this stuff yeah in other words we don't need to just berate them and beat them over the head about things that we sh- we expect them to know because we know it from being their age we need to equip them we need to teach them and to train them so what other issues uh, are they having when it comes to well-being one thing that I'm seeing a lot with teenagers is they don't really know how to express their emotions properly. You know, instead of saying, you know, I'm really sad or I'm upset or I had a bad day, they jump straight to, I'm anxious, 
I'm depressed. I have anxiety or depression, however they want to say it. Um, instead of getting upset and saying, this is something Matt and I heard at a conference we were at recently. Instead of getting upset and saying, I'm going to run away from home, many, not all, but many will just go straight to suicidal type of statements. And this makes navigating through some of these emotional and mental health issues really difficult uh, because they don't know how to properly identify what emotions uh, they're feeling. So one of the best things we can do as adults is to help them work through what emotions they're feeling, identify them, and, and kind of help them through that. But uh, another thing I'm seeing talking about their well-being is, is they don't really sleep well. Um, a lot of this can be tied back to technology that we will touch on in future episodes. Uh, but a lot of teenagers just don't sleep well. And just from the basic logical standpoint of this if they don't sleep well that's obviously going to affect so many other aspects of their life i remember saying to greg when we heard that stat about kids not running away from home as much anymore i leaned over and said you know i don't hear that i guess as we grew up that was kind of the common thing you heard whether it be not necessarily in real life but especially on tv shows that was the that was the out that's what kids would say but he's right. Nowadays, it's, I'm going to commit suicide. I'm going to do something to harm myself. And it, it stems back to that increase of anxiety and depression in our society today. So, Greg, what can we do? As parents who are raising teenagers, as a church who's discipling teenagers, what can we do? Uh, first and foremost, uh, it's a great question. I think the best thing we can do is to have empathy. You know, I think it's really easy to look back at, the times that we went through and just to kind of dismiss how tough it was. It's really easy to look at teenagers today and to dismiss what they're going through because we're tougher, we're older, and we know more uh, than they do as people from older generations. You know, it's really easy to forget what it's like to be a kid, to go through the things that they go through at the age that they're at. Uh, to us, something they go through may not be a big deal at all, but to them, it's perhaps the biggest thing they've ever faced. I know I deal with this in, in student ministry, and I know if you're listening to this and you're a parent, you've probably experienced this. You've heard a student say something that they're going through, and you just look at them as if, really? That's the biggest thing you got on your plate today? They're kids. They ought not to have the things that on their plate that, that I do as, as a youth pastor, as a dad, as a husband. They ought not to have that. And so what they're stressed about is a lot different than what I'm stressed about, and the worst thing that I can do is to belittle them and making them feel like what they're going through is insignificant and they ought to get over it. I think that's it leads to them only being further depressed. Or <laughs> exactly. If they're already anxious and depressed, it's just going to lead them further uh, down the road of that. But we need to help them deal with some of these things properly. A quote that I came across that I thought was interesting, talking about Gen Z and the anxiety and depression they face. But uh, here, here's the quote. It says, anxiety is always an overestimation of the problem and an underestimation of themselves. And so let me break it down for you. They think the problem that they face is so big that they can't do it and that they are so ill-equipped to handle it. They cannot overcome what they're facing because they think they're incapable of doing it because oftentimes they think, so little of themselves and I don't want to place any blame on any one person but if all we ever do as older generations is just tell them to get over it and don't tell them how to get over it they're just going to feel inadequate in that but another thing I would say is just to give them hope uh, that only comes from scripture uh, the verse 
that came to mind as I was thinking about this was John 16, 33, where, where Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I don't think we tell this enough, but there's going to be times in life where things don't go your way. And we need to equip our, our young people to face some of these things. Rather than just removing the situations so that they don't have to face it, let them face it and help them learn how to face it so that later in life, as they're growing up, as they're becoming an adult, they know how to handle some of this stuff. We need to give them hope that only comes from God. I'm not going to chalk up a generation's problems uh, with one thing, but I do think the biggest thing this generation is lacking is the hope that can only come from God. Uh, We don't really talk about that sometimes, how God is with us even in our pain and can help us even through some of our uh, most difficult circumstances. But we need to give them that hope. And just a few of the things we can do um, as older generations, as parents, as church leaders, just a few things here. I'm going to run through some of these pretty quickly, but we can connect with them in unique ways. You know, as parents, don't always be predictable. Don't always just say the same things over and over. Don't just, you know, have the same conversation with them over and over. You know, kind of mix it up. Have some fun with them. Um, not all conversations uh, and interactions need to happen face-to-face. Sometimes they need to know that you're beside them. Uh, Matt talked last week about how they need people that they can rely on, that they can trust. They need to know that we're with them, and we need to walk side-by-side. And instead of sometimes, obviously, with the parents, we're the, we're the people who um, care about them the most, but we need to let them know that we're here with them rather than just lecturing them and talking to them all the time about those things. Another thing is just keep a sense of humor. If every single conversation you have with your student is intense, uh, that's just going to lead to more anxious feelings. And uh, just a few other practical things uh, as I was thinking through this. Uh, as things arise with your students, thinking about their well-being and depression and anxiety, choose your battles. Don't make everything that your student does the most biggest thing you got to go through and knock them down and have this grounding and have all the choose your battles not everything's going to be worth uh, consequences and punishment Uh, choose your words Uh, that's a big deal Um, kids remember things we remember things that people tell us Uh, and even if it's something that's not meant it's really tough to forget that words uh, matter and then just be your biggest supporter of your kids uh, be sure that they know without a shadow of a doubt that you are on their side yeah, i think the two things that stick out here is we've got to watch our tone and we've got to make sure we're modeling the correct behavior before them it starts with us it starts with us as parents and leaders if we want our kids and teenagers to turn out a certain way then we need to be the ones who are guiding them and leading them. Because if we don't, the world's going to. And we see from the stats you've shared and the things you've said where that's leading. So it's our job to try to turn the tide on that. And with all of that, we thank you for listening to Real Talk today. We would love for you to give us a rating or to leave us a review. And next week, we're going to start talking about the digital world, technology, and how that is affecting Generation Alpha and Gen Z. So we hope you will give us a listen. And as always, thank you for listening to Real Talk. This has been Real Talk with your hosts, Greg Alderdice and Matt Brewer. Make sure to stay tuned for future episodes.